Leading Ladies, a concert in celebration of Women's History Month featuring Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, Christina Perry. At the King's Theater in Brooklyn, New York on Wednesday, March 20th. Tickets are on sale now. You don't want to miss this amazing night of music dedicated to uplifting women's voices. With Kelsey Ballerini, Megan Trainer, L. King, and Christina Perry. Odyssey's Leading Ladies presented by Olay Body. Buy your tickets now at kingstheater.com. The Bruins return tonight. They're in Phoenix to take on the Coyotes after a three-month and 16-day layoff. And let's bring on Jack Edwards, the voice of the Bruins on Nesson, to talk about it. Jack, it only se- it's only been four days. Doesn't it seem like a long, long time since we've seen hockey around here? Buck, you know, it's amazing uh, how this schedule has fallen into place for the Bruins because most teams play right up until the 23rd, and then they have the 24th and 25th off. And a lot of teams have to play the night of the 26th on the road as the Bruins had to do only a couple of years ago. And because of the collective bargaining agreement, you can't travel on the night of the 25th because that's a shutdown day, and, and as it should be because the NHL gets it right that way. Uh, wow, a so shot at basketball. You <laughs> have to travel and play on the same day. You know, it's, and and so, so having three days off in a row between games uh, was remarkable. And uh, then they traveled. They had a travel day and, and worked out yesterday here in Phoenix and now they're going to play probably their last game ever in Glendale, Arizona. Jack, you surprised that Tuca's getting the start tonight? Uh, it's pretty hard to turn a guy down when he's shut out his last two opponents and has a shutout streak of 155 consecutive minutes. Uh, I mean, the guy's been been out of sight. And, you know, what amazing symmetry that um, this should come against the Phoenix Coyotes because it was against the Phoenix Coyotes that Tuca basically lost the number one job. If you recall, back in Prague, to start the 2011 season, uh, Tuca played the opener and got beat five to two, and wasn't great. You know, he wasn't terrible, but he wasn't great. The Bruins were really flat in front of him, and as Claude Julian had planned all along, he was going to play one guy then the other. And Tim Thomas started the next game, and Thomas promptly stood on his head, had a three-zero shutout, won his first eight, never looked back, and won another Vezina. Oh, by the way, also won the Con Smythe along the way. So, so now Tuca gets uh, to lay claim to uh, at least a significant share of the job tonight. And it comes at a time when the Bruins are about to charge back into a pretty busy part of the schedule after this week. Um, Rask is going to have to carry more of the load in order to keep Thomas fresh for the playoffs. Jack, I wrote a column in the Herald this morning. In 69-70, when the Bruins won the Cup, they had, I think, three of the top ten scorers, uh, Orr and Esposito, of course, being at the top. 70-71, the record-breaker season, seven of the top ten scorers, including the top four, Orr, Esposito, I think Hodge and Busick, three of the top ten in 71-72 when they won the Cup. As I look at the standings right now, they're 23-9, and 119 goals, one of the highest goal totals in the NHL, um, right up there with Detroit, uh, Vancouver, and uh, who am I missing? Um, Chicago, I guess. Chicago, yep. And uh, yet their top point scorer is, I last time I checked, Tyler Sagan at 29. Uh, yep. They are the big balance Bruins, aren't they? How scary is this team because of that? And, oh, by the way, David Krejci's having a pretty mediocre year for him. <laughs> you know, what happens if he starts lighting it up? This, this team is is so well-built and – Peter Shirelli has timed the uh, career arcs of so many players, and Claude Julien has, has gotten the most out of them at the same time with uh, so much buy-in that, you know, when you talk to Dave Tippett, who's the coach of the Phoenix Coyotes, tonight's opponent, um, 
you see the exasperated look in his eyes because Phoenix has injury problems, as almost every team in the league does right now. But, you know, where do you concentrate uh, your attack? And, and who do you try to stop? Because this Boston team is so deep and so consistent and so many players share the leadership that it, it really is uh, – they, they are in one of those sort of teams for the ages stretches. Um, by the way, if, if the Bruins – keep up this uh, ridiculous pace um, right now. I mean, just with what their record is right now, they'll finish with 117 points this season. And if you, if you took their last 20, 23 games, guys, <laughs> where they're 22-1, and one, and you projected that out over 82, this will make you laugh. Their final regular season record would be 71-5-6. and six. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> I mean, it makes you laugh. It makes you laugh. That's how good these guys are right now. You talk, talking about historic paces. I'm going to go real back. jack in a little bit here. I, I, I'm going <laughs> to go back to the goal goaltending situation, and obviously it's a great dynamic. Uh, you know, Rass might be number one, and Thomas Knight be, be, might be number two in terms of stats. But have, when's the last time that you saw a, a combo this good? And I don't even know if if the Bruins have had a combo this good. Yeah, I, I, I guess I would ask. What Cheevers and Johnston? Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd go Lovell and Moog because they, those those two guys were really tremendous. And, and you know, when we talk about these tandems, um, a lot of it is the interpersonal qualities that these guys bring to the table because easily this could be a destructive situation where you've got two excellent goaltenders and there's only one job. And there is built-in jealousy. In Ken Dryden's epic book called The Game, which every hockey fan should read. Every sports um, fan should he, read. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, he talks about his relationship with his backup, Bunny LaRock. And he said, you know, I don't feel good when, we're, when uh, LaRock is in the goal and we lose. I just feel less bad. And I thought that was some phenomenal candor from Dryden because that's the way most goalies feel. But I had this little conversation with Tim Thomas um, after we got off the plane a couple of games ago after he'd gotten his 30th career shutout. And I said, congratulations on your 30th shutout. And before he even thanked me, he said, hey, you know, Tuca's already got nine. Hmm. He was so excited about, about his teammate and his progress as a young goalie that he put that ahead of his own congratulations. And that, that's sincere, you know. Timmy doesn't pull the wool over people's eyes. That's how he is, and that's how Tuca is. They, they make each other better. They're aware of that, and they use that as a positive rather than allowing it to erode their relationship and, and dig into uh, the team unity. Jack, how long do you think Thomas plays? you think he's playing beyond this contract? I, I think he's going to uh, because I think he's still going to be able to play, and he's a competitor. And even though he'll be set for life financially, he's, he's really careful as one can appreciate you know, we sort of saw this in the 1980s with Larry Bird, how how uh, frugal he was, and and you know, good for him for being able to walk away from basketball and then not have to worry about money anymore. Uh, Jack, let me just I, jump I think... in. Let me just jump in real quick. Red Sox had just acquired Andrew Bailey from the Oakland A's. Well, more about that in a minute, but I just want to get that news out right away. Andrew Bailey is now a member of the Red Sox, uh, according to sources. More about that in a minute. Sorry to interrupt. Continue, Jack. Oh no, no, that's that's news. <laughs> um, but I think, I think Thomas, uh, after next year, which uh, is the final year of his contract, is still going to be able to make a significant contribution um, 
and he'll probably go year by year. Maybe somebody will give him two years. Um, but, uh, you know, at that age, people aren't really willing to go three, four years with a goalie because, uh, you know, the position's dangerous and uh, goalies break down in a hurry. So, um, yeah, the short answer is, yeah, I think he's going to play beyond this contract because uh, he likes to compete more than anything else. Jack, if I gave you Peter Shirelli's swipe card and said, have at it for a couple of days, what changes would you make down the stretch, aside from the obligatory puck-moving defenseman? I mean, what, what, what would you like to see them do? Uh, I, I'll tell you something. With the Savard long-term injury reserve money available, the Bruins have about $7 million worth of cap space this year. To me, that is a, a premium rental. Um, that is allowing yourself to make a run at the cup again by picking up a bauble, you know, just the, the three-and-a-half-carat diamond, uh, <laughs> just to put it out there. A shiny bauble. Yeah, like, like Temu Solani, yep. right? Who's, who's a pure goal scorer, an unbelievable power play guy, great in the room. Everybody who's ever played with him says he's great in the room. Is in it just for one reason and one reason only, to try to win another cup and can help any team he plays for. Um, also, that puts a lot of pressure on number 19 because Solani easily could slip into that position seamlessly. So it, it makes 19 play really, really hard every single night. Has 19 recovered? Is he all happy and satisfied and life going on and so forth? I sure hope not. You know, I said in a commentary that it was on EEI last week that I thought the best thing that could happen to Tigers, Tyler Sagan right now is to get his nose broken. Um, you know, he, he's a... He's an unbelievably talented player, and when he is involved physically, when he's going into the dangerous areas and realizing that he's got to sweat and take bruises in order to be productive, uh, his points go up. But when he's just dangling around the edges, when he's poking and prodding and sort of peeking on the perimeter, he's not that productive. He, he has to connect those two things and understand that the rarest attribute of great athletes is not anything physical, but rather the ability to work to your utmost every single day, as his line mate Patrice Bergeron does. You know, we we're, we're having a little laugh this morning. You know, the Bruins have had two NHL Players of the Week so far this year. They've had um, Brad Marchand now and Sagan back in November. And what do those two guys have in common? Patrice Bergeron is their center. <laughs> Just to, it makes it a lot easier, doesn't it? Just, just to back it up on Sagan a bit, the Winnipeg game where they sat him that night and then they lose, by, they lose a one-goal game, and I thought the Bruins played it beautifully in that they bench him in Winnipeg. He talks to the reporters afterwards, and then a couple of days later they're playing at the Garden without Sagan, and then and Claude Julien says, well, I'm not going to talk about that's That's an old story. That's dead news. To which I say, Claude, don't tell me what news is. We'll decide what the news is. You're not my editor. But they did play it well in that – by, by dispatching with the business out there in Winnipeg, then he comes back to Boston, uh, gets back out in the ice, and then it becomes a dead issue so he doesn't have to stand and talk to 80,000 people and talk about his problems out in Winnipeg. Uh, I, don't like, I don't like Claude telling me what news is, but they did handle it the right way. Yeah, and, you know, of course it's Claude's job to try to mute it and to try to say, okay, we've dealt with it, and uh, you know something about it, and we know something about it, and almost everybody thinks that the team knows more than the public knows, and I'm almost certain that the team does know. And, um, yeah, that's good. 
but we would have been more impressed, I think, if Sagan had come out and flattened somebody on his first shift or gotten into his first scrap in the NHL or done something really physical and, and shown that uh, he is that kind of black and gold through and through. Um, everybody loves the talent. There's no doubt. Everybody loves the talent. And we sort of sound like spoiled children here, almost complaining about Sagan. You know, I'm not complaining about his talent. The uh, the thing that, that people want to see, though, is is more of that compete factor that uh, – Claude Julian talks about sometimes in pre- and post-game press conferences and uh, that Brick talks about on the air. It's just getting his nose dirty all the time. If he gets his nose dirty all the time, he's going to be an 80-point-a-year guy, period. Jack, have fun in Phoenix tonight. We'll all be watching. Thanks a million. All right, appreciate it. Jack Edwards, uh, voice of the Boston Bruins on Nessence. Uh, Bruins take on Phoenix, the Phoenix Coyotes tonight out in Glendale, Arizona.